Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. You do great things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for singing so well today about the cross of Christ. You might be a guest with us this morning. So let me tell you a little bit about what's going on in our church The Lord's brought us to a season in our church where we are searching for our next senior pastor. And so over the last several months, we've been praying and asking the Lord who it is that we're going to have as our senior pastor. And we're still in a time of waiting to where God has not revealed that to us yet. And so the people that have been working on that have been working extremely diligently. But God's been good because he's been able to bring many men from all around the country here to our church to be able to preach to us and to give us the word of God. Aren't you thankful that the word of God wasn't just given to one man, it was given to all of us in this culture that we live in? And so we can all read the Word of God, interpret the Word of God, and many people that are called to preach the Word of God can encourage us on a weekly basis. So today, we have a guest speaker from North Jersey, from Howell, New Jersey. His name's Chris Tice. He's the pastor of Open Door Church in Howell, New Jersey. And I know he's going to be a blessing to us this morning and this evening. So would you, church, give him a big welcome as he comes to preach for us today? Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'm from Jersey, all right? So... Relax. I know you get guest speakers from different places, but you are my people, all right? So we're okay, right? So I have uh, spent most of my life in New Jersey, and uh, my family, when I was very young, moved from New York City, and uh, we moved uh, to Howell, New Jersey. If you don't believe Central Jersey exists, it does. We don't consider ourselves North Jersey, all right? That's a whole nother place, and... uh, we're in the beautiful part of Jersey where there's farms and gardens and, you know, much like this. And Monmouth County, we're about six miles from actual Belmar Beach, if you're familiar with the beaches up there. So we're a bunch of beach bums. And uh, you probably already figured that out, all right? But, uh, but we're, uh, we're thankful for where the Lord has allowed us uh, to, uh, to pastor. I grew up in the church, um, five years old. My family moved uh, to New Jersey. And uh, so I became a member of uh, what is, you guys confuse me, you're open Bible Baptist, we're open door Bible Baptist, and so this is, this is very similar to me, we're all open, right? So um, thank God for that, and especially in these times. Uh, but we're thankful. Um, we, uh, I grew up in the church and went off to uh, Bible college and met my wife there in Pennsylvania. She's from Philadelphia, don't hold that against her, because you like all their teams, so... You know, Philadelphia is not all bad, right? And uh, she was born and raised in Philadelphia, and uh, we served in Philadelphia in ministry uh, there for 10 years. And then uh, the home church that I grew up in called me to be the pastor 11 years ago. And so we've served there in Howell, New Jersey for the last 11 years. This is my wife, Christina. She's down here. And uh, you can meet her afterwards and ask her all questions about Philadelphia and what it's like to be living in New Jersey. Uh, but we've been here. This is our home. Two, our two oldest daughters are off at Pensacola, so she's dealing primarily with uh, missing them. I'm glad because two more to go, and then we've got all of them out. 
Uh, but she's kind of holding on to that a little bit. But our two oldest are down at Pensacola Christian College. We have a son. Those two are girls. And then we have a son who's a junior in high school and then a daughter that's in eighth grade. And so we are just enjoying life and ministry and what God is uh, doing. And uh, thankful that we get to be here with you today. And uh, what a blessing. Did you enjoy the worship? I did. It was just a blessing just to be able to come together. Yeah, you can clap for the Lord. That's good. And uh, be able to worship the Lord together. And uh, I'm thankful that God loves His church. And I'm thankful that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I'm thankful that wherever we go, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're family. And we just met, but we're family. And uh, so I'm thankful to be part of the family of God today. And thankful that we are coming together around something that we can trust. Especially in a day where we're not sure what's true. Uh, you can be sure that God's word is true and you can trust in it. And so I want to uh, ask you to join me uh, to come to the book of Habakkuk. Yes, it's in the Bible. I'm telling you the truth. There is a book. If you can't find it, just give up and listen. That's fine. But um, that's when you go, oh, this is why there's a table of contents, all right? Habakkuk, chapter number two. And uh, Richard was just talking about you guys being in transition and waiting, and uh, that's what the message is going to be about today as we look at this prophet Habakkuk and the waiting room that God has him in as he is uh, ministering to the people of God and getting answers that he doesn't want. How many have found that in praying? Prayer is more about you getting answers you don't want than answers you do. Because prayer is not about you getting your way. Prayer is about you submitting to God's way. A lot of times when we come to God in prayer, we're playing God. We're telling God what He should be doing in our circumstances, in our world, in our culture, in our government, in our surroundings. A lot of times if we're not careful, we're playing God. We're telling God what He should be doing as we pray and uh, kind of correct Him a little bit. God, you don't understand what's going on. You need to do this. How many are thankful today that God is sovereign in control of all things? And uh, none of this has surprised Him. Uh, 2020 surprised us all. We're still surprised. And uh, where we're at, our, our culture has shifted. Uh, but God is still in control and on the throne and very much uh, working His will in the world. And God wants us to be part of that mission and plan. And so I hope that as we look at the text this morning, uh, you'll trust in what God's Word has to say. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. What's the next three words? Wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now that's not confusing. God says, though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it won't tarry. And often, that's where we find ourselves when we're petitioning God and asking God to intervene in a situation that is above our ability. Habakkuk is the prophet of God. God has called him to prophesy to the people his word. 
And Habakkuk the prophet has found himself in a time that is very confusing and very discouraging. The people who he has been preaching to don't want to hear what he has to say. They have become complacent to and even obstinate to and rebellious to what God's word is saying, and that has brought them to a place where God is going to bring judgment to the people of Israel. And the man of God is petitioning God about what he should say and how he should handle this situation, where the people of God won't listen to the word of God, and where it seems like danger is imminent on the doorstep and nothing can be done to save or rescue. And so he's coming to God and he's asking God to intervene, to do a miracle, to change hearts, to change the direction of his country, his people. He's burdened for them. How many burdened for your people this morning? Those around you, your community, your family. How many have sons and daughters, family members that you're burdened for? You wish you could change the direction of their life. But they're going in a direction and you have no control over that. Here, the prophet has been told by God that the people of God are going to be conquered. They're going to be judged. And he's saying, God, this cannot be what I have to say. This cannot be the ministry that I'm going to have. This cannot be where I'm going to serve. I mean, none of us want to serve in a ministry where destruction is going to be the end. And this is the climate that Habakkuk is ministering to the people of God in. A difficult one. An impossible one. And he's coming to God and he's arguing with God. As a matter of fact, as you read the book of Habakkuk, he's going back and forth with God about what he thinks God should do in this situation. And then he gets to this place, this watchtower. And this chapter here reports an experience that Habakkuk had And it's a similar one that I think that we could read in the Psalms is the psalmist in Psalm 73 is bewildered at the providential working of God in this world. He's disturbed because when he looks at the wicked, the wicked are prospering. When he's looking at the world that he's in, it seems like that everybody that's doing wrong is getting ahead and being blessed. And everyone that's following after God, the righteous are suffering. And like Habakkuk, he's reasoning with God. And then like Habakkuk, He gives God the opportunity to reply. In Psalm 73, in verse 16, he says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. How many, you're dealing with some things in your life today that perhaps are very painful. And sometimes it's nice for when we come into the congregation in the church, our minds get lifted beyond our circumstances and our pain, and that gets alleviated, and we get encouraged. But many of us know that tomorrow we're going right back into the fray. We're going right back into that, that burden, that discouragement that we're facing. And I would invite you to come to the watchtower with Habakkuk or the waiting room and come to this place, this sanctuary of God that the psalmist talked about in 70, Psalm 73, And there in the sanctuary, he found God's answer. Not the answer to his problem that he wanted, but the answer to his problem that he needed. What God had for him. And as we look at this place where Habakkuk is, God is telling Habakkuk some specific things. We can understand why Habakkuk was burdened. Firstly, he was concerned for his people. How many of us have a sense of urgency, because of those who are living without God. 
We can see the danger coming, but they can't see it. They're not aware of it. Habakkuk knew the danger that was going to come upon Israel. He was sure of it because God told him what was going to take place. He was trying to warn them, but they would not heed the warnings. They would not listen to what he had to say. Like a parent speaking to their child, watching their child go in a direction that's destructive, begging and pleading, don't go that way. Change your ways. Change the direction that you're going in. This is dangerous. You're going to suffer consequences if you continue in this direction. This burden was overwhelming to him. He was so burdened it was breaking him. And how many of us have suffered heartbreak because of our burden for people? I hope that you have a burden for your church family. I hope you have a burden for your family here. All of us are bearing burdens, right? The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens. The Bible tells us to lift each other up. I tell you this morning, if, if we're being honest, we are different in that we come from different backgrounds, we have different cultures, we have different ways of thinking and different opinions. But you know what? We're all the same. We all have problems. We all have issues. We're all in many ways, how many know that today without Christ you'd be broken? Without Christ you'd be blind. Without Christ, the Bible says, you would be dead in your trespasses and your sins. And when we look at a world without Christ, we get burdened for that world, and it just, sometimes it's overwhelming. And many times it's discouraging, especially since we understand our mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What do we know about the gospel? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Do you believe this morning that the gospel can change anyone's life? It can transform someone from darkness to light, from life, from death to life. Resurrection happens. God's not just getting people to turn over new leaves or kick old habits. He's actually giving them life and they're dead. And that's what people need. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What? All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And here's Habakkuk. He's concerned for his people. Secondly, he was convinced that there was another way. As he's coming to God in this waiting room, how many have ever sat in a waiting room at the doctor's office or other places? Surely you've stood in line this week. Have you been through the Chick-fil-A drive through lately? <laughs> it's Sunday. Thank God we don't have to endure, right? But we understand. You ever, you ever get in a waiting line with, a line with someone? They're never happy about being in that line. No one likes being in the queue. You ever uh, call in for that technical support? And, it, you know, they'll give you the call back later, but it's going to be like much later. And if you stay on the line, it could be hours. You have no idea. And none of us enjoy waiting, but how many of us understand that waiting is a big part of life? That a lot of our lives are spent waiting. And by the way, that God can use these waiting periods in our lives in marvelous ways. When we study the scriptures and we look at the God-called people, we look at where God intervened in people's lives, their journey in their life, much of their life was in preparation, in waiting. And God did wonderful things in the waiting. God did wonderful uh, things in that period of time. Richard and Tyler were talking this morning about this waiting period that you're in as a church. You know, God can do wonderful things here in the waiting. Waiting periods are not meant to just, oh, let's just sit and see what happens. Waiting is is us saying, God, what do you want to do in this time, in this period? How do you want to change us? What, what do you want our church to be like in this waiting period? 
Do you want God to get the glory in your waiting room? I hope so. All of us, no matter where we are, we're supposed to say, God, uh, I understand that things are happening. I didn't get to uh, call the shots or make the decisions, but I understand I'm in this position and you're to receive the glory. But often what happens is, the problem is, is that we're convinced when God answers us and he says, wait, or he says, this is what's going to happen, we're convinced that there's another way other than God's way. You ever have God answer and you question God's answer? Or we just do this, God, that wasn't, that wasn't God's voice, you know. God didn't, that's not what God meant, that's not what God's leading, and God is clearly giving us an answer that we don't want, and yet we're resisting him, we're trying to give him options, as if God has no options. God can do anything, and if he's choosing to do something that we don't like, we need to rest in the fact that he's God and we're not. And the way God does things is often perplexing to us. Doesn't he tell us that his thoughts are not our thoughts? That his ways are not our ways? What does he tell us about his thoughts and his ways? Well, perspectively, he says, I have a better perspective than you. My thoughts and ways are higher. Not just better in perspective, but better in the way that they're carried out. It's higher. It's done in a perfect way. Only God can do things in perfect ways. Habakkuk had prayed and God had answered, but he had asked God for another way. You can go back and read chapter number one. He's saying, God, not this way. God, there has to be another way. And I'm not saying that it was wrong for Habakkuk to do that. How many servants of the Lord have wrestled with God when God gave an answer? And how many have asked God to change what he was going to do? Can you remember when God told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham wrestled with God over that because there were people there that he was burdened for, his own family. And he went back and forth and bargained with God, negotiated with God, and God was gracious to him, wasn't he? But God knew what was going to happen, and he told Abraham as much. And God is very gracious to us. How many thankful that it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not, and great is his faithfulness. Because without God's mercy this morning, I'm consumed, you're consumed. Without the mercy of God, we're only left with the justice of God, and we understand that the justice of God was poured out on Jesus Christ on our behalf so that we could be redeemed, and without Christ, that wrath would have been poured out on us. And that's why we're not consumed. We're not standing and breathing today because we're good. We're not standing and breathing today because we're righteous We're not standing and breathing today because politically we vote a certain way. We are standing and breathing today because of the mercy of God. And as we look at this, he's convinced there's another way. He's he's wrestling over God's answer. He was convinced that God's plan could be carried out in a way that was less painful for him and for the people of God. I mean, to be honest, who wants to deliver this message? Who wants to tell people that judgment's coming? Who wants to tell people the bad news? You know, this is the message that Habakkuk had to carry to the people, regardless of what he wanted. The third thing that we notice in the passage is that he was counseled to wait on the Lord. What did God say to him? Wait. What was God telling him to wait for? Well, he wasn't waiting for God to change his mind. The waiting period was for Habakkuk to learn to trust God. That's what the waiting periods are about. 
It's not about God changing His plan. It's not about God changing His nature. It's not about God changing His way. It's about us learning to trust God. How many know you should trust God? How many you trust God? Be careful. Be careful. True faith is tested. True faith is tested. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. Trial by what? Fire. Anybody want to go through the fire? Tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. But before you get to hope, you got tribulation. You've got experience. You've got to go through it. It's one thing to know that you should have faith in God. It's one thing to know that you should trust God. It is another thing entirely to experience faith in God. To be in a position where you have to actually exercise faith. If we're being honest here in America, there are a lot of things we don't have to trust God for that people in other countries have to learn to trust God for. How many believe this morning and know that you, are, you have more than what you need? A lot of things that we think we need, we don't. When we lose those things, we, we cry. God sometimes takes away our wants to reveal to us our needs. God also wants us to live by faith. As a matter of fact, the just shall live by his faith, the Bible says. And so faith, without faith, what? It's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of what? Of them that diligently seek him. Can we say this morning that we're diligently seeking after God? That we're thirsty for God? That we're hungry for God? Sometimes we're too full of all the things we don't need And when God lets our world kind of come apart, listen, some of you, you've lived a long time on this earth and you have been here long enough to watch your country ebb and flow, come and go. You've seen it, different people in power, different people calling the shots in leadership. And while we all have those periods of time in our minds that we romanticize as the good old days, how many know that the best is yet to come? Because nothing compares to the kingdom of God. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back? When the Prince of Peace is on the throne, we'll have peace. And we're waiting for that. And all the world, the Bible says, is groaning and travailing during this waiting period. Crying out for what they know they need, ultimately. Redemption. And even our redemption is not yet realized. How many know that as Paul so articulately said in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 6, I'm fighting wrestling with this body of death, and who will deliver me from it? You know, Romans 8.28 says some good things to us. Often we, we kind of put it as a placard on the wall to remind us that everything is going to live happily ever after in our lives, but that's not what God is saying at all. Because in the verses in context, what he's telling us is that those who God justifies, he will sanctify. And those that he sanctifies, ultimately he will glorify. And that is the good that God is working together for in all of our lives. 
know what good God is doing to His church right now? He's making us like Him. But if we're going to know Him, we need to know Him, what? The power of His resurrection, yes, but also the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable to His image, to His likeness. When God is shaping you, He's changing you. When He's changing you, that's uncomfortable. It takes submission. It takes trust. Do you trust the hands of the potter today? You're the clay in His hands. Do you trust that He will make the right decisions, the right moves in your life? Are you fully trusting in Him? He was counseled to wait. Habakkuk had already heard one answer he didn't understand, and and now God was telling him to wait. Didn't God understand that this was an urgent request? How can the answer be wait? We are often like those children, impatient children, that we say, just hold on, just wait. It's coming. You don't have to have everything now. It's not all now. You know, the, the best is yet to come. Just work hard and be patient. You know, life is good, and, and it's good as we follow the Lord. Just be patient. And what does the, the world tell us? It's all about now. It's all about immediate satisfaction, immediate pleasure, chasing your heart, chasing your dreams, listening to yourself. But as we listen to God, God just says, just wait, just be patient. It's coming. If you'll trust me, you'll see. And God told him here, he says, if it seems slow to you, just wait. And this is what he was saying. It's going to come at the time I appointed it. That's what he means when he says, if it seems like you're waiting a long time, don't worry because it's not really waiting. It's actually happening when it's supposed to. You just think it's for now. You think it's supposed to happen right in this moment. You're missing what I want to do in the sanctuary. You're missing what I want to do on the watchtower. You're missing what I want to do in the waiting room. I have a purpose for this. There's a waiting period for this. Just hold on. Learn to trust me in this moment. You can trust me. And when it does happen, you will see that this is the best for you. It's in these times we must remember that God is eternal. We must remember, well, that life feels long and arduous to us, that God tells us it is just a moment, it's just a vapor, it's just a little time. A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. For us, it seems like forever. For God, who's eternal, he's just saying, just hold on. It's, It's coming. Your redemption is drawing near. We say, even so, come quickly. And here's the truth. He is coming quickly. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, it's just not right this second. Are we waiting? The church has been waiting a long time, haven't they? Since that moment where they looked up into heaven and they saw Jesus ascend and they heard his commission and he told them to go and he told them to preach. It was exciting when the Holy Spirit showed up and thousands were saved. It was exciting when the miracles took place and the acts of the apostles It was exciting as as people began to get saved in the pagan world and the gospel turned to the Gentiles and Paul's missionary journeys. But it's not been without pain. It's not been without suffering. And it's surely not been without waiting. Why in the world would we as the church today think that we're any different than they that have gone before us? There's a price to pay in following Jesus. There's a cross to bear. It takes time. What is this say a few things about waiting and we'll be done this morning. Waiting is inescapable. Waiting is inescapable. Abraham and Sarah waited decades for their promised son. Israel waited for centuries to be delivered from Egypt. 
Then another 40 years, they waited in the promised land. The Old Testament prophets waited for the coming of the Messiah and never saw it. We all wait in anticipation for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised when you have to wait. It's part of the history of God's people. Don't try to escape it. Embrace it. That's what God was telling Habakkuk. Don't escape. Don't look to escape. Look to embrace this. Because embracing this, you embrace me. You embrace my will. And listen, it is good for us to draw near to God. To embrace Him. To come nigh to Him. What does He say? Draw nigh to me and what? I'll draw nigh to you. Do you want to be close to God today? You know, some of the times where you draw the closest, in my marriage, we've been married 20 years now, and in our marriage, truly, we were even rehearsing this morning as we were getting ready, talking about the things that we liked about each other. I said, I'm going to give you five things, you give me five things. Yes, we did that. It's better than fighting. (laughs) But we talked about the things that we enjoy about each other. You know, where we've drawn the closest to each other? In the waiting rooms. In the painful times. You know, at the marriage altar, what did we say? For better, for worse. I got the better, she got the worse. For richer, for poorer. Sickness, health, poverty, wealth. She's still waiting for that. It's not going to happen. But till death do us what? Part. You know what that is? It's a lot of waiting. That's a lot of waiting. How many of you guys, you sit on that morning bench and wait for your wife to get done shopping? I guarantee you, ladies, here's your chance. How much waiting do you do on him? We all wait for each other. We all learn in our relationships through those waiting, those painful times. I've sat We've sat with each other in those doctor's waiting rooms, not being sure what was going to happen. And found in those moments how much we love each other. You know, in your waiting room with God today, you can find out how good he is, how faithful he is, and how good waiting is. Don't escape and embrace it. Number two, waiting is refreshing. Waiting, waiting immediately announces that we're not in control. That's what waiting is about. It's about us saying, God, you're in control. And if you say, wait, I'm okay with that. That's the refreshing part. When God calls us to wait, he's lovingly refreshing us of the fact that someone wiser and stronger is in charge of the narrative of our lives. And you should be glad, and I should be thankful this morning, that I'm not in charge and that you're not in charge, but that he's in charge. Boy, when God's in control, it's a good thing, isn't it? even if we're not aware of it in the moment. Sometimes we need to be put in our place, and waiting is one of God's refreshing tools. Number three, waiting is revealing. It's revealing. Whenever I'm forced to wait, I find that I'm easier to agitate. Anybody get agitated when you have to wait? Prone to rude words and behaviors and focus more on my pleasure than others' needs. It's a purging experience, isn't it? In waiting rooms, God has shown me how selfish I really am and how much sanctification is yet to be done in my life. He uses waiting to reveal the selfishness of my heart 
and make me seek restoring and redeeming grace. Listen, when you have to wait, repent of your selfishness. Let God show you who you really are. What they say is what's on the inside of us is what, what happens when we get squeezed, right? What's inside comes out. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You know, there's a lot in us sometimes that we're not even aware of. And what does the Holy Spirit do? What did the psalmist say? Search me, O God, and what? And see. What's he talking about? As if God needs to search us to know what's wrong with us. He's talking about, God, you show me what's wrong with me. You show me what's wrong in me, in my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. No, not that you are not aware, but show me what I'm not aware of. God, in your searching, show me what's wrong with me. Reveal to me. Number four, waiting is productive. Psalm 27, 4 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. This means that God never wastes our waiting. Waiting is not a waste with God. He doesn't frivolously prolong what we get at the end of the wait. Rather, waiting is fundamentally about who we become as we wait. Waiting should always build our character. That's what God is seeking to do in our lives. And then lastly this morning, waiting is temporary. Aren't you glad that God says that to Habakkuk? Look, it's coming. The answer's coming. Salvation is coming. You can't see it right now. Just wait. But when it happens, you'll understand it. You'll know it. You'll be better off for it. It's just temporary. One day the former things will pass away, the Bible tells us. And that includes waiting. In the meantime, God intends that waiting would make us hungry for eternity. As the disciples looked up from the mount as Jesus ascended, an angel appeared to them and said, what? Why are you standing here idle? It's not that they weren't going to have to wait for his return. No, in like manner, he's going to come just like he left. You're going to have to wait for that. But don't be idle when you wait. Don't stand around like you got nothing to do. Don't act as if this waiting period is a time for you to sit back and just let God do everything. You have a mission to accomplish that is great and impossible to accomplish except you be endued with power from on high. How many glad for the Holy Spirit today? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, he said. You know why we're waiting? Because we're meant to be witnesses in the waiting room. Everybody in this life is waiting, and a lot of them are not even sure what they're waiting for. And most of them are even convinced that there is nobody on the other side of the waiting room. How sad is that? Why would you wait if you were waiting for nothing? Christian, what we know today is what we have on the other side of the waiting room is worth waiting for. Jesus is worth waiting for, and we wait for him but not idly, not wasting, not frivolous, but like a steward understanding the master's coming back to check on 
how we spent our time here in the waiting room. We need to be productive, but not productivity in the way that the flesh produces things, but powerful in the way the Spirit produces things. What's the fruit of the Spirit this morning, church? Let's remind ourselves. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those that have God's Spirit will produce that fruit. Do you have God's Spirit today? I'm not asking today whether you have been religious, you've ever been to church, or you've ever prayed in Jesus' name or asked Jesus into your heart. I'm just asking, has God, has there been a time in your life where God has changed your, changed you? See, if God moves into your life, you'll know it. He'll change you in a good way. And if no change has happened, then no Jesus has come in. And we can go through the motions of going to church and doing religious things and not have God's Spirit and not been saved. And much of what I understand is that what we're doing in America right now is we're telling religious people like Jesus did when he spoke to Nicodemus at night that they need to be born again and they're marveling at those words because they're rulers of religion. They're well respected in the religious community, but they've never been born again. I wonder, have you ever been born again? Has Jesus changed your life? That's something to consider this morning. And then if you say, yes, I've been born again, I'm a believer, is his fruit evident in your life today? Are you becoming what God wants you to become? Which is not a mystery, by the way. He wants you to become like Jesus in this waiting room. We're all in the waiting room. As we wait on the Lord, let's be reminded of this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say wait on the Lord. Let's ask God to help us with that today. Father, I pray this morning as we conclude this portion of the service and our time together in your word, we ask for your mercy to be realized because we know that it has been given, because we're still breathing. God, without your mercy, we'd be consumed today. But God, help us to realize it in this time where we are waiting, this uncomfortable period of our lives where it seems like as we look at the world around us and the circumstances around us, what's happening to us, and even, God, in the places where we don't expect it to happen, it just seems like things are not going the way they should and definitely not the way we'd like them to. Help us to come into the sanctuary this morning. Sanctuary is not this building that we gather in. The sanctuary is our hearts that the Holy Spirit indwells. You have access, if you're a believer today, into that holy place. That place where he invites you to come boldly before to find grace to help in your time of need. Truly, this morning, we're all in a place of need. Perhaps you find yourself not being able to answer that question honestly. Say, I'm religious, but I'm miserable. There's no love, joy, peace, long-suffering evident in my life. 
not really been much change. I'm holding on to a lot of the religious traditions and things that are in my heart and in my head. But I'm empty. And maybe today you need to be born again. You know, God can save you if you come to Him, repent of your sin, and even that sin can be religious pride, friend. Turn away from your sin and turn to a merciful God who loved you and gave His life for you, and you can be saved today. And Christian, perhaps you've been burdened, you've been petitioning God, you've been pacing back and forth and waiting for God to answer. And maybe it never dawned on you until maybe this moment while the Holy Spirit revealed it to you from His Word that you needed to embrace this time of waiting and let God have His perfect way. God, help us to be as you would have us to be. As your Spirit has spoken to us, may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.